Well, thank you for not calling me elder. I like that. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to be in the house of God, and this is a good day to be here. I think any day is a good day to come to the house of God, and I'm glad to see you here tonight. I'd like to read a passage of Scripture. It comes from the 143rd Psalm. God bless those wonderful young folk as they depart. Not all of them are departing, I see. Hallelujah. Psalm 143, the eighth verse, says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Now that's an interesting psalm, and I'm not going to look into that psalm itself except really from that verse if you read the whole psalm you see that David's in a heap of trouble it is a psalm of David and and he's in a heap of trouble a lot of things have gone contrary to him he's questioned God about it but then he makes this statement cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning for in thee do I trust and then he he makes a petition of God Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. David is facing trouble. He's in the middle of trouble. And when he comes to a mourning, he says, and not mourning as in sad, but mourning as in the early part of a day. I'm looking at this mourning and, and cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. I decided a long time ago I needed God's help every morning to help me to know how I should walk that day. Amen. And I trust that in tonight's, uh, our time together, we can learn a little more clearly how to walk in the morning. God bless you. You may be seated. God is, is so good to us. This is a very unusual time in, in the United States. We had an election. Uh, how many of you... Stayed up late enough last night to hear, uh, look at the hands. Now, wow, that's amazing. I know you can do it now, so we could call for an all-night prayer, and y'all would be good to, to hang with us until, what was it, 1.30 or whatever it was. You could hang with us because you can do it. Amen. Yeah, I had my radio on, and, and I was in bed, and... I would wake up every once in a while, and, and I could tell there wasn't anything happening, and I'd go back to sleep, radio blaring. Then I'd wake up a little later, and, and one time I woke up, and I heard Trump speaking. I realized he had, he had won. So I kind of came to a bit and listened to him, and then that's about all of that I needed. So i go back to sleep. Wake up this morning, and it wasn't a dream. <laughs> but in my thinking about what to preach for tonight, teach for tonight, and in my praying and, and seeking God before the announcement of the winner, several days before, I was praying, God, what would you have me to speak? I realize that when I'm preaching, it's going to be the day after the election. And I don't know which way at that point. I did not know which way the election was going to go. God knew. And so I said, God, direct my thinking ahead of time. 
So that when it comes Wednesday night, when I stand in that pulpit, I'm not just standing for naught, but that, that I can come with a word for the people. Because that day is the day after a momentous event. And if, if the election would have gone one way, my feelings would have been this way. If the election would have gone another way, my feelings would have been this way after the, the morning after the election. Brother Farino is not here tonight, but, but I, I've heard Brother Farino say this many times, and if I would have asked him about this election, I, I, this, is, this would have been his response. If I would have said, uh, what do you think about Hillary Clinton for president? And his response would in all likelihood ha have been, you know, I have friends who are voting for Hillary, and I have friends who are voting for Trump, and I stick with my friends. That would be his, his answer. When you see him next time, ask him and see if, it's, if he's, it, I'll, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't respond that way. I've heard him do it many times on various occasions. I have a friend who's this way, and I have a friend who's this way, and as for me, I stick with my friends. Now, that's kind of a political weasel way out of it, you know, kind of a waffling way out of it, and I've told him that before. Um, but if he didn't want to tell you, that would be his answer. And when I woke up this morning, and when I realized that, that it wasn't a dream, I, I still had mixed emotions and feelings because I still didn't know if that's really what God really wanted it, it may have be what he allowed but I, I wrestled I prayed but before the election occurred I realized that somebody's going to be disappointed and somebody's going to be thrilled and in a congregation this size there's going to be someone here that's thrilled and someone here that's disappointed that's just how life goes. And the more uh, diverse a congregation is or a city is or a neighborhood is, the more of those various feelings when something happens. And I, I prayed, God, what can I tell a congregation of people on the day after? When, when they don't know, did not, didn't know if that was going to go their way or another way because it's not only in politics that we face those kind of dilemmas in our own life there's sometimes there's a situation facing us and we don't know how it's going to end up we've prayed we've sought God but we don't know if we're going to be healed or not healed we don't know if we're going to keep the job or lose the job we don't know if we're going to have to move or not have to move. There's dilemmas in our life when we don't know. And I want to look at, at the day after scenario today. The day after you got the bad news. How do you wake up at, in the next day? How do you face that day? Can you do as the psalmist David asked and say, God, show me the way that I should walk today? Or do you just walk according to your feeling feelings and you walk disappointed, discouraged, dismayed, all of those dis words. 
instead of walking victorious. I'm convinced to believe that no matter what happened last night, I can still walk victorious today. And when you take that out of the political arena, no matter what happened to me yesterday, today is a day that I can walk with God. If I will seek him as David did and say, God, this is a morning. I'm facing a fresh morning and help me to know how I should walk today. Now, when I was thinking about this, praying about this, God had directed me some. The day before the election, I read a few Facebook postings of people, good people, who said how they were going to be and how others could be, no matter which way the election went. And I'd like to read a few of those postings to you. Now, they're not private. They were made public, so I'm not, I'm not stretching anybody out of, out of sorts here, I trust. But I would like you to read what your pastor's wife wrote. Here's what your pastor's wife wrote, Sister Brianne Buford. She wrote, voting day. It's important to vote. And I did. But my faith is not in man, not in a man or a woman. Through the night, I woke several times. And this was before election. Through the night, I woke several times thinking about the election, thinking about my family, thinking about the revival we're experiencing at the lighthouse. Each time I woke, this song would play over and over in my mind. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain-breaker. America will not save you. A presidential candidate cannot save you. Only Jesus can step into your situation and change your life. No matter what happens today, God is still on the throne. He's still in the miracle business. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the saving business. Have no anxiety about today or tomorrow. He is in control. I invite you to pray for our country. Vote and rest assured, God is in control. I invite you to try Jesus. If you need prayer or if you'd like to hear more about what I believe, please contact me. My God is a chain breaker. Now that was written by someone who did not know how the situation was going to turn out yet. And she determined how she was going to be after the election was over, no matter which way it went. It didn't matter which way it went. She had already planned in her heart understanding of, of God's qualities, how he was going to be no matter how things turned out. I'm glad to see our West Monroe uh, brother here tonight. I'm reaching for your, your name and it's not coming. My apologies. Good Louisiana uh, touch there. I had a pastor friend in Louisiana years ago. Years ago. Wonderful man. He was, he was a a bit tongue-tied, and I don't say that to belittle him. He was a tremendous uh, speaker, wonderful preacher. 
uh, he had trouble saying some words, and he would, instead of saying my wife, it was always my right, and he spoke kind of nasal, but he was a wonderful man. But he had a story that he told, and anytime he would, he would come to a, a, any church for a special service or something, and he was just there as a guest, they always wanted him to say something to the congregation because his, just his testimonies were so memorable. But he told one time about when he was younger, is back in the old days, in the earlier part of last century. That sounded like years ago, doesn't it? It was years ago. But he, he, was, he, he was part of, of the logging industry, South Louisiana. Lots of pine trees. Uh, they were harvested, replanted, harvested, replanted. Every 15 years, you'd get a whole new crop of pines. But he would... He, he had this logging truck, and the roads were horrible out in the, in the forest. And when he saw a mud hole on this old logging road, he had to make a decision. Can I go through that mud hole or not? Because just looking at it, he didn't know how deep that was. He didn't know. And so he had a little deal. He made up in his mind that I'm going to go through that, but he made his mind up before he ever got in it. He made up his mind, I'm going through it. And, and he would testify in that, in that speech impediment that he had, and people would be on the edge of their seat wanting to hear his story. But, but he, would, he would make the sounds of the logging truck. What was that guy in Mississippi that, that, that made the, uh, y'all know it, y'all not that far from, he was a comedian from Mississippi, Yazoo, Mississippi, Mississippi. Jerry Clower, I heard somebody say that. Yeah, he could make those log truck noises. But, but this preacher would make these log truck noises, and he would gun the motor trying to get through that mud hole. And finally, he would sling mud everywhere in his descriptions, you know. And, and he would finally get through the mud hole and get on the other side of it with his story. And then he would say, and that's how it is in life. Before you get in that bog hole, you've got to determine, I'm going through. Because you're not going through with your own power. He'd talk about that granny gear. He said, whenever I'm getting in the middle of that bog hole, I'll drop it down into that granny gear and just crawl right on through that mud. You know, he had these ways of telling, you know, well, that's how it is with God. He would say, you get in the middle of your bog hole, you just drop it down in granny gear, which is really bringing God's strength into your life and you making it on through. And so he said, you've got to get in your mind that you're going to go through this dilemma before you ever get there. And that's what I want to talk to you a bit about tonight. Before you ever know how your situation is going to end, you've got to determine in your mind, I'm going through. God doesn't change no matter how this situation turns out. And that's what Sister Breanne Buford was writing when she wrote. There's someone else from this church that wrote. This is Sister Carrie Lowe. Is she here? I don't believe. haven't seen her. But this is what she wrote. This is probably the first election that has really troubled me. As I was praying this morning, this old song popped into my head. I will continue to sing it. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine. Or its clouds may turn to gray. 
I don't worry o'er the future. Y'all know that song? For I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him. For he knows what is ahead. Any of y'all know that song? I see some, not many. I don't know how Sister Lowe knew it. She's not old enough to know that song. But it's a great song. I don't know about tomorrow. But the feeling is no matter, no matter what tomorrow holds, that's not what's important. It's who holds tomorrow that's, that's important. And the song says, I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. I think that's a cool way of saying it. Someone else wrote a, a, a post. And this is a lady that you all know. Her name is Paula. Her first name is Paula. Her last name is Richardson. Any of y'all know Sister Paula Richardson? She lives on the other side of the world in Madagascar. And she says she's 24 hours ahead of us. So this is what she wrote. She says, 24 hours later, because that's the time zone she's in, the world is still spinning and God is still on the throne. Breathe, people. I'm already in tomorrow and it's going to be all right. She was writing that in her Tuesday, but our Monday. I think that is cool. Or maybe it would have been her Wednesday and our Tuesday. I think it's cool. She says, breathe, people. It's going to be all right. Because I'm already in tomorrow. When I read that, I wanted to just jump up and run around the house. I got excited. Because I could just see Jesus being that. He says, I'm already in tomorrow. I've got it all under control. Just breathe, people. Everything's going to be all right. Why? Because he's already in my tomorrow. Tell your mom, she inspired me. I like that. The Spanish uh, man that preached, what is his last name? I can't pronounce it. M-A-G-A-L-L-A-N-E-S. Maglanus? Maganus, he and his wife was here, their children was here, he preached not long ago, did a great job. This is what he wrote. No matter what happens tomorrow, and of course it's the tomorrow, no matter what happens tomorrow, on November the 9th, God will still be God. He's still, he, he'll still be in control, he'll still be protecting his people, and he'll still be all-powerful. I love it when people can write those positive things before the event ever ends. Whatever situation you're going through, let's forget about the political position. Whatever situation you're going through, you do not know how it's going to end yet. But I'm so glad that we serve a God that's already in our tomorrow, and He is in control, and He is all-powerful. That's the kind of God we serve, and it's easy for us to forget that sometimes because we get bogged down in what our dilemmas are instead of realizing He's got it all under control. So breathe, folks. It's going to be all right. I love it. My wife's niece, Sister Claire Mitchell, this is what she had to, had to say. No matter who wins this election, one of my good friends is getting baptized Sunday night. I love it. 
No matter who wins the election, I will still be saved, and so will you. No matter who wins this election, Jesus will still save, heal, and deliver. It's hard to get too upset about politics when we remember that the kingdom of God is, thankfully, not dependent upon our human affairs. I'm thankful for an unchanging God. Then her little hashtag is everything in perspective. This is a young lady. But when we have everything in perspective, in God's perspective, looking with heaven's point of view, it's amazing how we can see it. Her line that, that simply said, no matter who gets elected, my best friend is getting baptized Sunday night. I love that kind of an attitude. I love it. Psalm 143.8, we read it at the first. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. When you face a morning, when it's the day after, or even if it's the day before, and you don't know how the dilemma is going to be, how it's going to end, what it's going to turn out like, you can rest assured God is in control. And if you ask him, he can cause you to know the way wherein you should walk. So, what do we do when we don't know how it's going to turn out? I don't think I've told uh, this illustration to y'all. It happened a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I had to be in South Louisiana for the, the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys board meeting. And so, we were there. And it was a, if you've never been to the Boys Ranch, it's an exciting place. It's a beautiful place. They've, they've done some excellent work on the facilities uh, they're attempting to have a ranch there where it's a working ranch where they raise their own beef cattle. Uh, they, they would love to be self-sustaining. They're not quite there yet, but they're working toward it. But they have several boys. They can only have, I think, is 18 or maybe 17. That's the maximum number of boys they can have with the number of rooms that they have and still not have the boys two to a room. They keep them separate. So there's 18 boys or 17 boys there. So the, the, they had a... a a meal function for us there in their cafeteria, nice uh, uh, cafeteria area. And, but wisely, whoever was in charge of the seating arrangement had all the tables set up for all of the, the guests and the, and the staff and the boys. But they spaced the boys out. They just, just didn't let them all clump up in one spot. They put three boys at this table and two boys at that table and three boys at that table. So every table had some of those boys at, at each table. And the boys are troubled boys. Uh, one of the boys, and, and he's the boy that is very careful and will and, and his response to ladies. It's always, he's always extremely kind, uh, respectful to women. Not quite as much with, with the men, but with very respectful for the women. And, and I noticed he almost goes overboard on his respect and uh, kindness to a lady. But what happened, the, one, the reason he's in the home is because he saw his mother commit suicide. And he had nowhere to go after she was gone. And so he came there. Uh, it's a tough situation. Um, but I had a boy sitting here and a boy sitting there. 
and a boy. I was surrounded by these, by these boys, and all of them have a troubled past, a very rocky past. They're there for various reasons. Some of, their, some of them are there. The, the state sent them there. Others, Pentecostal families, sent them there. So there's, they come from various sources. So as, a, as an outsider, I did not know if this boy was from a Pentecostal family or if he came through the court system. I didn't know. But they had a, a basket or, or a bag in front of each of the, the boys, a gift bag, and it had that. Obviously, a woman had done it because it had, Sister Pyramid, you appreciate this, it had all the little fuzzy things hanging out the top of it, you know. And the boys, they didn't have a lot of interest in the fuzzy things, but they wanted to know what was in that bag. And they said, no, not until after we pray and after we finish eating. But you can look in your bag before we do dessert. So they told them, gave them their orders, you know, so the boys were trying to hold back. So finally, we finished eating, and my wife was eating slow, and so our table was kind of slow, and the boys would kept looking at her, waiting for her to hurry and finish, so they get it back. So finally, she finished, and so they were able to look into their bags. And so this boy on this side, his name was Nathan, he, he got his bag, and he pulled out. There was a, uh, like the mugs you just were talking about. I don't remember what brand, but there was a, the nice coffee mugs. He was so glad to get it. Had his initials on it. He was just thrilled. Then he reached into the into it, and there was what appeared to be a deck of cards. You know how a deck of cards come in a little box with the top open. Well, he he just saw that he just saw the shapes. He thought it was playing cards. He opened it up, pulled them out, and he did a very professional job of shuffling. You know how you do them. I try that, and they just go everywhere. And it's fifty-two card pickup for me, but but. It, and then he started dealing them, you know. Well, when he started dealing them, he realized they weren't real playing cards. And he grabbed one of them up. Well, then I'd already read on the outside of the box, it said, it, it said, stay calm and trust God. It was written on the outside of the box. It was, and if you ever, if you remember the, the pick a promise, the daily promise little bread, some of them was shaped like a loaf of bread, and they had a bunch of little cards in there. You could, every day you'd pull out a card. I see some of you nodding. But you pull out a card, and it's your promise or your scripture of the day. Well, that's what this was. It was, it was a promise a day, but they, were, they, were, they looked like playing cards. And so on one side of the card, it said, stay calm and trust God. On the other side was a scripture and then a little positive quote. And it was a neat set of cards. And when he saw what it was, when he realized it wasn't kings and hearts and queens and whatever else, and when he realized it was, it was something about God, he got so excited. He, he pulled the card up and stay calm and trust God. And he showed it to me. And he said, Brother Buford, look, stay calm and trust Jesus. And he was showing it to me. I thought, well, that's not what it says. It says stay calm and trust God. But, but then he, to the bar across the table, he said, look, look, stay calm and trust Jesus. And he looked at it, and he said, oh, it says God, I'm sorry. And so he turned to the boy on this side of him. He said, look, he's stuck in his face. Stay calm and trust Jesus. And then my mother's on the other side, I mean, my, my wife is on the other side of that boy. And he, he reaches around all of us, and he sticks in my wife's face. He said, look, look, says, what it says. It says, stay calm and trust Jesus. Four times he read it wrong. Four times. He caught himself twice, but then he still read it wrong. And some of the boys have a third grade reading level or less and so they in their school there they work hard on the reading skills so it could be that he couldn't read well or it could be that someone had taught him the identity of who God is and I don't know what it was 
But you know, if that young man gets a hold of that truth, that, that God is Jesus, and Jesus is God. I don't care that he gets the two confused like he did. I'm perfectly comfortable with him identifying God as Jesus. Stay calm and trust Jesus. I would just like to tell you today, one of the things that we need to do is when we come to our situation, we don't know how it's going to end. We just need to stay calm and trust Jesus. We don't need to fly off the handle. We don't need to put things on Facebook or anywhere else that shows our despair, shows our anger. We need to trust God, stay calm, because He is in the control. He's in our tomorrows. Breathe. It's going to be all right. And let me give you a little scripture story to back that up. There was a man by the name of Daniel. He had been trained by, and, and he knew, he understood the the oneness of God. He was living in, a, in an idolatrous country where they worship many gods, golden images. And, but he was determined to every morning, three times a day, he would face the east through his window and he would pray to Jehovah. And he did that. And his enemies found him doing it, so they finagled away to get the king to make a rule, said you can't do that, get thrown in the lines in if you do it. Well, David just did it anyway because to die was gain, I guess. So every day he would face the east and he would pray to Jehovah and sure enough it caught up with him so the king liked him a whole lot and said you know hate to do this but it's the law of the Medes and the Persian I got to do it so the king had Daniel thrown into the lion's den that's an that's an awful predicament for a person to get in so he threw Daniel in the lion's den then the king goes back home and all night he can't sleep the Bible says, the king went to his palace, this is Daniel chapter 6, king went to the palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, and also his sleep went from him. He had a miserable night. You ever had a miserable night? Yeah, some people had a miserable night last night. Some people had a wonderful night last night. No matter which camp you was in, some of them couldn't sleep. It messed their whole night of sleep. This king, he did not know how Daniel's dilemma was going to turn out. He had a restless, sleepless night. He didn't listen to the music. He didn't put his headphones on. He, no, he was a miserable night. And the Bible says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the, of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done nothing wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, he did not know how it was going to turn out. But when you read what happened, you realize he just stayed calm and trusted God. There was no panic because he trusted God. It's when you don't trust God that you have panic. When you think God can't handle this, and we panic. Yeah. 
And then in Hebrews chapter 11, I think we can trust God no matter what. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it's, it's the story of, of all these faithful people. It just goes down through the, the heroes of faith, all these wonderful people. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, they all died in faith. Keep going. They desire a better country. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Keeps going. Tells a little bit about them. It's wonderful. It's kind of, it's written with a little rhythm to it when you, when you read it. It's a wonderful thing. But then verse 32, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David and of Samuel and all of the prophets. I just, I don't have time to tell you about all of these heroes of the faith who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women receive their dead to life again. That's a wonderful, positive thing. But then he says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. But then it says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. It was not a put down on those, but that in our salvation, their completion is made. Now, even though, though that latter group of people in chapter 11 of Hebrews, even though things didn't turn out right for them, in our view, it didn't turn out good for them, I mean, they, when you're sawn asunder, everything didn't turn out too good. When you're slain with the sword, you're still slain. Clean sword, good sword, sword with golden handle, doesn't matter. You're slain with a sword. You know, it's like the guy that didn't want to be hung with a dirty rope. Duh. What does it matter, you know? You're not going to catch anything from a dirty rope. My wife had an aunt, two aunts. Their spouses had died. They lived in the same uh, senior citizen place. One of them died before the other one. Um, they were our lipstick-wearing, kissing aunts. And when you have family reunion with them, you tried to dodge them because... I think they put a fresh dose on every morning so they could smear it on everybody they came to. They were great ladies. Uh, loved God in their way. But so one of them died. And the, the remaining one told the mortician. Now, she's allergic to makeup. So don't put makeup on her. No makeup because she's allergic to it. <laughs> when I heard that, 
I, I, I just lost it. You know? What's she going to do, break out in hives? You know? <laughs> oh, my. If you're hung with a dirty rope, you're still dead. If you're slain with a sword, you're still dead. If you're sawn asunder, you're still dead. And in all those cases, it didn't turn out like you'd like for it to turn out. But they still obtained a good report through faith. Sometimes, no matter what way things turn out, you still trust God. It takes faith to trust God when things are going downhill. But by God's grace, you can make it. You can make it. And, and I think we should be confident that we can make it. I read another post today. Sometimes God reminds us he is still in control. That reassurance brings a deep, settled peace in our souls. We may not always understand the reason or wherewithal, but we can trust God. He created this country, this universe, and he has a purpose. Our job is to submit to his will. Be assured, everything is going to be all right. That was written by a godly woman that I, I would trust her statement. So I'm not reading in that, I'm not reading a scripture to you, but I'm reading to you of a lady, an older lady, who has lived following the principle of trusting God no matter what. And I think it's right. Psalm, Psalmist wrote in Psalm 118, verse 24, This is the day the Lord hath made. Can anybody complete that verse? What will I do? I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist really says in Psalm 118, 24, says, We will rejoice and be glad in it. So what do you do when things turn out good or things turn out bad? What do you do when you, you just rejoice in the Lord? You, it's, it's, the circumstances don't create our joy or our rejoicing. Our rejoicing is in the Lord, not in the, in the ups or the downs of our circumstances. But you'll find some people who are extremely moody and their moods are brought on by circumstances. And I think the Lord teaches us different that way. No matter what happens in life, God will still be God. And Brother Mike, if you would get that clip ready. On the, no matter what happens, God will still be in control. He will still be sovereign. And His will will still be dominant. God told Moses, I am that I am. And some people, that's such an ambiguous sentence. I am, what does that mean? They struggle to do it. But this person that I read today says, I am your provision. I am your strength. I am your hope. I am your peace. I am your healing. I am your comfort. I am your salvation. And no matter what happens in life, if I can understand the consistency of God, that He is all of these things and more to me, no matter if things go my way or they don't go my way. I saw pictures today of people crying over what had happened. Tears rolling. I felt for them. I'm not, I'm not be, 
demeaning them at all. I felt for their loss. But somehow they had their hope in the wrong place. It was misplaced. It was misplaced. I'm glad we can have our hope in Jesus Christ. You know Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Some of you can quote it. But I just want to let you know, no matter what happens in your life, God is still wonderful. No matter what happens in your life, God is still your counselor. No matter what happens, if things go your way or do not go your way, He is still the mighty God. He is still the everlasting Father. He is still the Prince of Peace. And I just want to let you know, the government is still on His shoulders. And of His government, there shall be peace. The increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, his government is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. But you can rest assured the government that you need your life to be governed by is on his shoulders. It's on his shoulders. And I'd like to close today by showing a clip. I believe it'll work. And the, the, what you hear is, is, well, let me just let you, let you hear it. So take it away, sir. Says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I, I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You 
Shall we stand? Every once in a while, I just like to see that clip because it reminds me afresh, no matter my situation, that's him. That's him. You may be having tough times, but remember that clip. Remember God and stay calm. Trust Jesus. Stay calm. And trust Jesus. There's all kinds of things that we can do when we're facing difficult times. But the best thing we can do is face Him. Face Him. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful to You. I'm glad that we can know You as our King of Kings. I thank You for Your Spirit. Lord, I thank You that You are with Your people. You're our strength. You sustain us, O oh God. And I thank You for Your goodness. I ask that You would bless this people. Be with them, O oh God. Let us walk in your will and favor. We ask for your direction, Lord. We pray that you would keep us. Thank you. God, we ask you to be with us. Let this week be blessed of God. Let us.